Counting calories is out. Weight loss is an internal game, what I like to call weight release, and it all starts from within. You're listening to Confidence Strong Within, a podcast for women ready to feel good about their bodies, rediscover their confidence, and share their brilliance with the world. I am your host, Juliana Lima, mind-body weight release expert and lifelong health seeker. And I am so pleased to have you here. Let's get started. You're listening to episode number 168 of Confidence From Within podcast. And as always, I am your host, Juliana Lehman. And my very special guest today is Trish Tonage, who has traded a pen for a paintbrush. We often hear that it is never too late to follow your dreams and make massive changes in your life. And I'm excited to share Trish's story with you because she actually did it. And she shares with us her struggles, what led her to make this big change and become a full-time artist in midlife, as well as some of the rewards and the beautiful journey that this has been for her. We also talk about the concept of identity, which if you've been in a field, in a profession, or maybe you identify as a mother, as a wife, whatever it is, this identity that you've had and focused on for a very long time, it can be quite difficult to peel off this label and really shift your role and how you see yourself, which is a big part of the conversation that Trisha and I had as she made this a massive career change after three decades working as an entrepreneur. So without any further ado, before we jump into this juicy conversation, let me properly introduce you to Trish. Trish Tonaj is an award-winning marketing consultant, author, and founder of ShareYourStories.online, who is following her passion for the arts and trading a pen for a paintbrush as an artist. Her work has been featured in Europe, US, and Canada. She is the host of the podcast Business Mentorship, Keeping It Real, live and unscripted interviews, introducing the person behind the logo. Her mission is to increase the visibility of each business, encourage collaboration, and build connection in each community. Here is Trish. Hi, Trish. I am so pleased to have you on the podcast today. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Julianne. I've been really looking forward to our conversation and connecting with your audience. Yes, likewise. And I had the pleasure of being part of one of your uh, networking events. And I can tell with a lot of certainty that there's such a beautiful energy in that space. And it is a reflection of what you bring to the table. So I'm thank very you. pleased as well to have you here today. Thank you. thank you. That's very kind. Yes. So let's begin by talking about confidence, Trish. Like, tell us how do you define confidence? And then we go deeper into our topic today. Sure. Well, confidence is a really loaded one because I think as entrepreneurs, we have to have a certain amount of confidence or a chutzpah, as some people might say, um, in order to pursue our dreams, right? So I think it's yeah. something that is, it's a skill we can learn for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's something that increases with time. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's something that we become more confirmed with and much more comfortable with when we're really clear on our goals and objectives. Yes, I love that. 
And from your perspective and all your years of experience in, you know, entrepreneurship, what helps somebody get closer and closer to that clarity? Because I think that is very, that, that word is very important. So how, from your perspective, do you get more clear about what those are? Well, you know, it's a really great question because I've just recently celebrated 30 years as an entrepreneur. Yes. So I've had lots of uh, ups and downs and, you know, changes in service and product offerings over the years, which have always actually come from my client base. So, you know, they were looking for something that they couldn't find somewhere else. And then they, you know, contacted me, we had a conversation and I was able to, you know, uh, lead that into some new opportunities in each of the businesses that I've had. But I think what helps to bring you clarity is there's, you know, we've all heard it, we all know it, it's, you know, writing down the goals, um, deciding on an action plan of how we want to get there, and then actually physically doing it. Yeah, I think that the thing that is most important, to be quite honest, is finding a mentor Mm -hmm. or an accountability partner, somebody who can help you can bump the ideas off of, you know, you can have a wonderful conversation and talk about I'm thinking about this. What do you think? And they don't have to be in the same industry. They don't have to be even in the same area of expertise as you. But just someone who's also an entrepreneur who appreciates the journey and someone that you feel quite comfortable sharing, um, you know, your ideas and thoughts with. So I think that really helps gives you clarity. Yeah, that's wonderful. One of the activities that I do with all my clients and practice myself for many years now is like an end of month reflection, we call it. Mm -hmm. And we basically write down not just, you know, the goals, but also things that we learn, things that we struggle with, things that we accomplished the month before. And the recommendation I have is that we usually read the two months prior so we can really have evidence, like truly true evidence to really stack up like all the positives, right? And what I have noticed for myself is that the clarity in terms of how I even write goals have really increased after practicing doing this so much. Because you and I were talking before we recorded here that a lot of times and, you know, some of our audience not being entrepreneurs, being uh, career women or, you know, stay home moms. It's so, I think, difficult for women to give themselves credit <laughs> to celebrate, true. right? That's um, so true. And I know we talked a little bit about, so talk a little bit about that as well in terms of as you progress in your career, what are some of the ways that you celebrate your own successes now? Well, I really don't celebrate my success, to be quite honest. I have always had a a bucket list of things that I wanted Mm to accomplish. And the list is sometimes a little uh, over ambitious. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, so I'm always going from one thing to another, right? So I've accomplished this, tick it off, tick off the box. Okay, what's next? And I really have not sort of sat back and taken a breath and really enjoyed the success along the way. So mm-hmm. subsequently, I've had corporate burnout twice. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I always laugh when I say, well, I clearly wasn't smart enough to see the signs and signals the second time around, or I wouldn't have had that experience all over again. But I think it's because I've always felt I'm not doing enough. Right. I'm not accomplishing enough. There's more to give. There's more to learn. There's more to do. Um, so as a type A personality, I sometimes yep. put my own feet, right? Yeah. And I'm always looking for that next big win. And so I really have not set the time aside to smell the roses and really celebrate my own success. And, you know, it's funny that you should ask me that question because I just recently finished a meeting with someone where they sat and asked me, okay, 
list, you know, 10 accomplishments that you've had in 30 years. And it took me a minute to think about it. And then when I started to share them, boy, there was like a whole bunch of things I've actually done, but I've never really mm. given myself credit for them. Yeah. So I think that's really important. And uh, You know, we really do have to take a breath and take a pause and it's okay to take some time off, um, you know, between one project to another to sort of regroup, reassess and reevaluate and then move on. And I, I love your reference to the monthly sort of, mm-hmm. let's take a look at where we've been and where we're going. Yeah, exactly. And I think the the value of that, like very much, I'm very similar to you in personality from what he described. Uh, and I think a lot of times like collecting this undeniable evidence, right? Like through the writing process, I think it helps right. us with the perspective, right? Because yeah. very much like, I think it's just part of the human condition. We keep moving the goalposts. Like that is just how Absolutely. we're, most of us are wired. So, you know, um, I always say I'm running at mock too with my hair on fire, you know, like yeah. I never seem to, to really sit back and, and take that, that pause. Um, but I am after 30 years in business, sort of learning that it's an important part to our health and well-being as well. Yes. Um, and I think in recent years, we've all had the chance to sit back and maybe reflect on what's important. You know, where where yeah. do we see us and our businesses moving forward? And how do we sort of interweave a really healthy fabric of a healthy family life into yeah. all of that? Um, because that's just as important as what we do in business. So the community impact that we have com- really combines those two things, right? Mm-hmm. What we do, what product and service we provide to our community, whether we're uh, an enterprise leader or an entrepreneur, and then how does that interact and dovetail into our family life? Yeah. So, and, and I wish I had learned that earlier in my career, mm-hmm. um, rather than having to sort of, you know, my mother always used to say, Trish, you were constantly falling down and getting a scrape on your knee and you'd stand back up, brush it off and away you'd go again. So <laughs> um, I wish I'd kind of learned that a little bit earlier when I was younger to kind of, you know, take yeah. a step back and reflect before just, you know, running on to the next thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the beauty of it too, is that like a lot, like, from my own like experience, I am a a learner through trial and error. And that always drove me crazy because I'm very much like you. Like, I just wish I had known a lot of the lessons. But I think the value I have come to realize is that as you go through these experiences, like I said, burnout twice and, you know, looking back now, you have such an advantage perspective, right? To actually help people that aren't there yet and really use also the wisdom of the years combined with this. So I, I think that's in part what makes you such a great leader in what you do today. Um, yes. So let's kind of tie into now our main topic today. I think it's a good segue to that, which is the, the idea, a lot of people say it's never too late to follow your dreams. Right. But you actually done it, (laughs) which is incredible. So let's talk about that first. Like, first of all, tell us from your story, like, what does it mean to you to, you know, go after your dreams, no matter when in your life, tell us a little bit of that. Well, you know, I think with each decade, it changes, right? So, you know, in our 20s and 30s, we're trying to build those career milestones because it's important to our future goals and objectives. And then as we get, uh, you know, a little bit more accomplished in life and we've the the years are kind of ticking off on the calendar, then perhaps we take a a different look at what those goals and objectives are. So for me, I've been trading a pen for a paintbrush. So it was a huge paradigm shift for me because, 
you know, I had a marketing and communications company. My specialty was customer and employee recognition programs. And then through situations in life, I ended up uh, moving into consulting and then getting all of the accreditations to become a master coach. And then throwing that all up in the air, you know, I heard this wonderful phrase, I burnt my business to the ground and decided, okay, now what's next? Mm -hmm. And what's next was going back to my love of art and, um, and actually painting acrylic painting. So um, I've been painting as a hobbyist, probably my whole life, you know, Mm -hmm. I was very creative as a child. I think we've all been to kindergarten, and we come home with those wonderful pieces of art that that are hung on the fridge. So I always say that's your first gallery exhibit, yes, right? The fridge and the it. kitchen. <laughs> and then from there, somehow we seem to lose that creativity. We become yeah. inhibited. And life gets in the way, right? I mean, I can remember sitting down with my parents and saying, oh, I wanted to be an artist. And my father's eyes crossed. And he said, are you kidding? You're going to starve to death. And I was like, oh, well, that didn't even enter into the picture, right? So <laughs> yes. I thought, well, clearly that's not going to work. So I think I then took my creativity and moved it into the marketing space Yes, and, you know, got my, wet my teeth, so to speak, in corporate jobs. And then once I felt that I no longer fit into that dynamic, I took the leap of faith into entrepreneurship. And so started the marketing and communications company, which really was very creative because you had to have really unique ideas. Um, But I absolutely love the change to, I call it like the finger painting of life, right? So yeah. now I'm doing acrylic painting. Um, I had my first solo show during COVID mm-hmm. and um, I really haven't looked back. You know, I, I've sort of taken my love for creativity and my commitment to entrepreneurship and I've sort of split my uh, business into two different segments and it gives me an opportunity to one feeds on the other, right? Yeah, exactly. And something you said, I think is so important for even listeners that are kind of contemplating as well, a potential, you know, starting over a major shift in career. Mm-hmm. The concept of nothing is lost. It just like transforms the form that it expresses, right? So your creativity, you know, funnel to marketing, of course, there's a lot of it there, not the right. same medium. And now you return back home, right? which is yeah. beautiful. And so for the identity side, I think that's the main question I wanted to start with on that piece. A lot of times, I think as you build a career for many years, there's an identity, right? Attached Absolutely. to this, what I, who I am, what I do. Mm-hmm. How is it for you to sort of, you know, shift that piece that allowed you to even take the leap and go back to something that you loved to do? I would have to say it has to be age because I would have never had the confidence in my 30s or 40s or maybe even 50s because I was totally identified by what I did for a living. Yeah. So, you know, who Trish Tonai was completely identified with the success I had in business. Mm. So I don't think I would have had the confidence to put myself out there as an artist at that age and stage in life because it would have been too much of a risk. It was too much of a gamble. I mean, we all know how subjective artwork is, right? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. not not everything appeals to everyone. Yeah. And so you need to have a bit of a war chest built up in terms of financial security in order to make that huge paradigm shift. Because mm-hmm. it's it's not for the faint of heart. You know, when I started my first business in 1993, I had a journal and an all streets map. Mm -hmm. There were no telephones, there were no computers, 
there, you know, there were no car phone, the car phone was just coming out. So when you think about like, there were no fax machines, like you're like, wow, that seems like a hundred years ago, but you know, life has evolved and things have gone exponentially quicker than I think any of us could have ever imagined. Mm-hmm. And so in order to, to have that level of financial security, I think you need to build up a war chest if you're going to burn your business to the ground and start over again, because <laughs> yes. um, it takes a huge leap of faith, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got to have that little bit of um, uh, money in the bank, so to speak, for the times when the sales are not happening. Yeah. Because you need something, we all have to put food on the table and a roof over our heads. So, yeah. you know, you need to have some sort of financial security in order to take a huge leap of faith. And so, um, you know, I'm just at an age and stage in life where I, I have acquired the, um, the experience to know that if I was going to be successful making that leap, I had to make sure that I had the financial security to support mm-hmm. myself in order to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey there. Have you heard of my new book, Release, A Woman's Guide to Releasing Weight in Midlife Through Becoming a Body's Best Friend? If not, go to naturallyjoyous.ca slash book or click the link in the show notes below to learn more and to see if this is the right book for you. I wrote this book for women to read before your next diet. And this is not a book about weight loss, another diet trend, or a magical solution you have not tried yet. This is instead a rebellion against hating our bodies and trying to change who we are. Together, we will release all that no longer serves you so you can get the body you want and make midlife the best and healthiest years of your life. I cannot wait for you to get the book. So go to naturallyjoyous.ca slash book to learn more. Now back to the episode. Was the identity of the artist present concurrently towards the end before the shift? Or is it something that once you made the decision, you basically had to rebuild yourself in in terms of how you see yourself and your contributions to the world? You know, I think that what happens is when you do something as a hobby and you take your hobby to the forefront as a business, there's a little bit of identity there. You know, you, you've yeah. kind of got the the seeds have been planted, so to speak, right? Yeah. There's a yeah. little bit of that sort of creativity there. So, it, but it's still a mind shift mm-hmm. because, you know, to go from, a, you know, a marketing consultant or a corporate executive and then say, I'm an artist and people kind of look at you a little bit sideways and go, oh. Mm-hmm. And what kind of art do you do? You know, like they're thinking, they start to talk to you like you're a child because it's like, uh-huh, an artist, okay. And what pays the bills? Because it can't be art, right? <laughs> um, so I think that there's a, that little bit of a mind shift. And to be quite honest, I think it was six months in before I even was able to say that I was an artist. Mm. I think it took a lot of time to get comfortable with the change in the dynamic. Um, I see. And I think that's just because of the society, what society thinks of that particular industry and the create creative input that goes into being an artist. Because there's so many amazing artistic people in the world. Yeah, absolutely. They, they never get a chance to let their creativity show, right? I mean, yeah. if you look at some of these online platforms that are available for artists to show their work, you know, I, I, when you're sitting at 
night or you can't sleep. You know, I'm on the computer and I'm mm-hmm. doing the whole scroll thing. And I think, wow, that stuff is amazing. And so yeah. you feel a little inhibited because you think, hmm, maybe mine's not that great. Maybe mine is pretty mediocre, you know? Um, so it does take a little while to make the transition for sure. Yeah. And I think it's one of the professionals, like you said, that there's so much like things that we have to unlearn about it, right? In terms of what been, we've been told. And maybe that is true. Like you said, at the beginning of the, your career, that the internet wasn't a thing and so on. Like it was much harder to get exposure and so on. So now right. that is different. But also now, like I said, that competition <laughs> uh, is a For lot sure. more available. So then yeah. we also do that comparison. So talking about that a little bit, Trish, in terms of the comparison itis, I like to call it <laughs> made mm-hmm. up word. Um, how do you, not just for yourself, but also, you know, as a mentor that coaches other individuals, how do you approach comparison in the sense of not letting it hold ourselves back in terms of pursuing our next big thing? Well, you know, that's really interesting because I think we put a lot of, um, and I'm sure that you're exactly the same. You put, we put a lot of stock into our education. Yes. How many certificates have we been able to achieve? You know, what kind of degree do we have? What kind of post-secondary education do we commit to? And then when you make a transition into something that's completely different, there may not be a certificate in that, right? I mean, you may attend workshops or there may be, um, you know, seminars and um, classes that you can attend. I mean, I have had the privilege of going to Italy and I took a a course at an actual art studio, you know, (laughs) and which was really cool. But I mean... I didn't get a certificate at the end. So, I mean, that was for my own personal development as an artist, not something that I could hang on the wall that said, oh, Trish Tonai artist. But I do have other certificates that have my name with something that I completed at the bottom. Yeah. So I think that's part of the transition, right? You have to have the confidence to say that all of the skills that I had as a corporate leader are transferable into something else. So when I mentor someone who's making a huge change, what what for them may be a huge change, um, I think that you have to be comfortable with, is there a, a process that's going to give me the confidence to make the transition with ease? And for some people, it's education. Yeah. So it takes a little bit of time, right? Yeah. And during that time, you're building your confidence. Um, but in my case, personally... Um, I was flipping the dial from something that I had all kinds of certifications in or certificates into something that I've never received a certificate as an artist, but I'm very pleased to say that I have pieces in Europe and in the United States and Canada, mm-hmm. but it's because people, they have an emotional connection to what I'm doing. Yeah. What school I went to doesn't really mean anything mm-hmm. because yeah. What they want to do is make a connection with what they see, especially if they're going to hang it in their personal space, right? Yeah. They're going to look at that piece of art every day. They have to love something about it. There has to be an emotional connection. And I think that's what becomes, for me, more important as I transition from something more corporate into something more creative. Yeah, that's wonderful. A very such a good point. And I think to like the education aspect of things, like I come from a family and my grandmother has a PhD in her area. And back in the day, she had to fly out of the country to get her thesis defended because there's not enough qualified researchers back home in Brazil at that time to wow. actually have a proper, you know, uh, thesis defense. Anyways, so that like that lineage of women being highly educated in my family has always been the way I believed the world worked, right? 
Yeah. But what I have come to realize over the years is that the education is a measurement of success or accolades. It's like a, let's just call it like a easy ruler to use, right? Because if you have this, you mean it means this. If you have that, it means that. But very much like you said, when you go into a career, a profession that that isn't the measuring stick and success is subjective in art, that is so difficult, right? Because your yes. way of measuring success no longer exists. So I really commend you for, you know, learning your own new success metrics, I guess, in this next phase and really investing in yourself, even though there's no certificates to prove. I can see your art behind you and it's absolutely beautiful. I know it's a podcast, so hopefully <laughs> we can put one in our social marketing promos afterwards uh, to you. share everyone. But yeah, so talk to me a little bit about that. Like now as an artist, what are some of the early struggles that you had in making this transition outside of, of course, financials and the identity piece? If somebody think, else is thinking about following your footsteps. Well, I think that you've touched on something that's really important. And that is when I started my very first company, there was only traditional media. There was newspaper, magazine, radio, uh, TV. Yeah. Hugely expensive and certainly not something that was in the budget for an entrepreneur. Yes. Now we have all these amazing platforms that we can participate in where we try to, you know, uh, attract followers and we share information and try to, in a rather, I call it the soft sell approach, give everyone an idea as to who we mm -hmm. are and what we do. Because I truly yeah. feel that people now want to buy from the person behind the logo. Yes, absolutely. You know, there was a time when that logo was very important, you know, and the large Fortune 500 companies have an awful lot of credibility with those logos. Mm -hmm. But when you're an entrepreneur, nobody knows who you are. Mm -hmm. And that logo is something that you put a lot of blood, sweat and tears in. And you're very proud of the, the what it looks like and the color scheme that you chose and the size and the taglines and all of those things that all go into a really good marketing plan. But then when you launch it and people don't even notice, it can be really deflating because you're like, well, geez, you know, I, I didn't have any problem when I had mm -hmm. the business card with the Fortune 500 logo on it. <laughs> yes. Now I have this logo <laughs> and everyone's like, well, who are you? Like, what are you doing? So, I mean, I think that's a bit of a transition. I think the yeah. biggest challenge is because there's so much noise. How do we cut through the noise? Yeah. How do we honestly cut through the noise and be noticed? And I mean, I'm sure like you and your viewing and listening audience, you've been in public places where there are two or three people sitting at a table, supposedly having some sort of conversation. And if not one, but two people maybe on their phone scrolling through some kind of social media. <laughs> yes. Right. And yeah. you think, wow, why did they get together? They're not even talking. Like they're just sitting and scrolling. I mean, I was in a restaurant not too long ago where the couple beside me were actually texting each other. And I thought, okay, this is really bizarre. I've never seen this <laughs> before. Like, how does that even work? So I think that to cut through the noise, if anything, we need much more solid marketing plans. Yeah. You know, they have to be really specific. We need to maybe do some focus group studies with our friends and family or our colleagues and say, what do you think about this? You know, does it resonate with you? Is it conveying my message? Um, because we don't really, even though we're always looking for content, we have to be consistent with the content. Yeah. Or you just, you don't mean anything in this big sea of information. And especially as an artist, I mean, for me, the biggest challenge is you know, opening the blinds and letting people see perhaps how you create. Mm -hmm. And I haven't yet got comfortable with that. You know, somebody said to me, oh, you need to do one of those time lapse videos. And I'm like, 
of what? Like me sitting in my, you know, my dirty clothes with paint all over the place and my bare feet <laughs> in the studio that's a mess. And, you know, like, what am I going to show? Um, but to their point, they were like, well, because people will then believe that you are painting these, these works of art. I mean, they are going to know that you're an artist. So yeah. I haven't actually crossed that hurdle yet. It's something that I put on my to-do list in the next few months is to do some sort of a time-lapse video yeah, um, to show people the process. Um, but again, that's a whole paradigm shift from a marketing perspective. Exactly. And the one thing that comes to mind, and I don't recall the name, unfortunately, but I can look and tell it later. Uh, but there is an artist, like she paints flowers primarily, like very big, large, uh, massive canvases. And her entire social presence is just like those time-lapse videos. And I right. watch them. It's so relaxing to me. Like, and it's just very different purpose, maybe different intention than sure. what the person mentioned to you. But I just find it so fascinating to see, you know, the creation process in those 90-second little videos. So yeah. I think it is such a beautiful idea. But it also reflects back what you said earlier in terms of that is very much giving people a behind the scenes view on the person, on the right. artist, like, you know, right. seeing your process and your creativity. And I think it's very interesting. I think that's why reality TV has done so well, because we're yeah. so interested in the everyday normal human experience, even though there's nothing normal about reality TV, but you know what I mean? The yeah. common, you know, human yeah, experience. For sure. So yeah. Yeah, it's very true. That's mm. very true. So yeah, so your your viewing and listening audience will have to hold me to task. Maybe they can be my accountability partners. I and, love it. You know, in a few months, they can visit some of my social feeds. And if they don't see any of those time lapse videos, they can send me a DM with a little nudge. Where's, yeah, where's the where's the time lapse video? You know, where's that? I don't see any of them here. Um, and then that that will spark my uh, confidence to say, okay, we need to uh, we need to give people a look behind the scenes. Yes, and the moment you do, send us the link, and we will put in the show notes as well. Oh, so fantastic! Whoever's listening in the future, we may have it down there as a little Fantastic! <laughs> That's a great. And then we'll say that it, we we started the discussion here, right, Juliana? Yes, exactly. Yeah, we came up Plain with the, the idea here. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And just on the other side of the coin now, so we talk about a lot of the struggles and challenges. Talk to us about the blessings that have come from you making this big leap and now embracing this beautiful side of you. I think that's it exactly. It's authenticity. I think that, you know, um, when I was in the uh, corporate leadership role, there is a certain expectation as to how we were to walk and talk and act and, and participate in, you know, business communities that I took from, you know, my corporate life and I brought into my entrepreneurial life. because. You know, we, we have to remember the time that I started my first company and there weren't many female entrepreneurs at that time. You know, mentors wore blue suits and red ties. Mm -hmm. You know, a coach was with a sports team and, you know, there, there yeah. was no such thing as, as those one-to-one -one relationships. So times have changed dramatically. And I think we get really comfortable with a routine. You know, as humans, we really yeah. enjoy routine. It gives us confidence. It, you know, it gives us the the grounding that we need for our success story. And so I think I kept doing those same things over and over mm. because it brought me success. It was the template for success for <laughs> yes. me. Yeah. But now um, it's a totally different thing. So you almost like, you know, you've, we've all heard the saying, let your hair down. You know, I've, I've really had an opportunity to kind of let my hair down um, because everyone expects artists to be quirky. Right. <laughs> right? 
everyone it, expects yeah. a, an artist mm-hmm. to be kind of, you know, a little off center, you know, they're, they're not so serious. And mm-hmm. I've had, I've been very serious. My career has been very serious. Yeah. I took it very seriously. And I didn't really let my guard down much because I felt that part of the success formula was a certain demeanor and a certain image. And now I get to be a little bit more quirky as an artist um, and maybe let people know a little bit more about the Trish behind the scenes rather than the Trish, you know, that, that this, that you want to, the image that you want to portray in society. So, you know, am I there yet? Well, probably not because, you know, after 30 years, it's going to take a little while for me to let my hair down, but you know. (laughs) Um, now I don't wear heels, you know, I'm wearing flat shoes, you know, I wear blue jeans instead of, you know, <laughs> the, the kind of corporate suit look. Yeah. So those are some of the, the changes that I think happen. And I also think too, you know, it's, um, you get comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is definitely the, uh, I'd say the most beautiful blessing <laughs> uh, that I think it comes with it. And from, even the women that I work with, my own experience, a lot of times it is this pursuit of authenticity that leads us to even switch careers, switch paths, right? As we start with what we believe we're supposed to do, like you said, the template that we've been taught that's a little bit passed down. And then we start to really feel that lack of resonance with what is inside of us until we find that. So I think the final big question I have for you, Trish, in terms of, say, one of our listeners is in that process, mm-hmm. experimenting with the idea. Maybe they have a side thing, like you said, like started small, or they're just going to do an occult again and just jump into it. What would be a good piece of advice you can give somebody in the I- idea process towards making a massive career change from the wisdom that you have now? I think that you have to noodle lots of thoughts. You have to give yourself lots of room for failure. And we have to give ourselves permission to make the change. Mm. And I think that's probably one of the hardest things to learn because um, we get comfortable doing the things that bring us success. And if, if in our mind we've reached or attained a certain level of success, we want to continue doing what we're doing in order for that, that program to be extended. Right. And when you're making a huge paradigm shift, I think you go back to some of the fundamentals that you had when you first started your career or when you were first trying to build a resume, you have to allow for the failures because the failures bring opportunities Yeah, and maybe not be so hard on ourselves all the time, you know, to (laughs) say that this is okay. You know, oh, well, if that didn't work, let's try this. Um, And I can honestly say I didn't really have a mentor until probably within the last five years. And that was a huge paradigm shift for me because I'd yeah. always been the mentor. I'd never been the mentee, um, yeah. you know, in a traditional sense. So I've kind of uh, opened up my Rolodex and started having conversations with women who maybe were in the artistic field or who had made large paradigm shifts to kind of get their input on how did they feel? You know, how did it work? What did they have to give up? What did they have to change? And that was a real confidence builder uh, for me. So mm-hmm. I think with, if you combine all of those things together, I think eventually they give you the, um, the, the right timing to take the leap from one to another. Yeah, that's excellent. And I think it gives a good framework as well. And it kind of ties back to the beginning of our conversation when you're talking about that, you know, external perspective, right? Either through what we said, like the journaling to have like written evidence so you can measure it up. But 
often having somebody else that can see things differently, which I think any person outside of us will, right? To really give that perspective and the reframing is, is so helpful. And definitely the permission piece you mentioned is probably going to be, even looking back at my own experience, I, I made my big career shift early in life, early in my career, just seven years into it. But it felt monumental at that time as well after I burned out as well, right? So I think having had the people that were there to help me see things differently and really give that permission that the soul is calling to go in a different direction, I think is definitely, it was my hardest part as well. Um, So I really appreciate that you brought that into the conversation. So Trish, this has been amazing. I can very easily talk to you for a couple of hours. And I think that we had this (laughs) experience before. So um, I will definitely want to continue maybe part two in the future but for now sure. if our listeners want to find you tell us a little bit about your platform i know you do such an amazing job bringing entrepreneurs into the spotlight by interviewing them you feature my story as well which i'm gonna link in the show notes oh, below uh, so tell us about the share your story platform and also sure. how we can find you sure so share your stories was actually born after writing my second book Breaking Barriers, 10 Entrepreneurial Women Share Their Stories. And I was out on the speaker circuit meeting awesome entrepreneurs like yourself who had great stories. And everyone wanted me to write something about their story. And I thought, geez, Louise, I can't keep writing books. So what am I going to do? So I decided to do a guest blog series. And in the first year, I shared 100 stories. And then I purchased the URL, shareyourstories.online, and we automated everything. And now it's my passion project. So we have um, almost 300 international features and over Mm -hmm. 150 podcasts where we introduce the person behind the logo. So I guess that still feeds my corporate soul, right? (laughs) By, by, you know, giving in our our mission or our motto is to increase your visibility, encourage collaboration and build connections in your community. So uh, anyone who's interested as part of your viewing and listening audience who would like to share their story, you just visit shareyourstories.online and you'll be able to see the platform and all the wonderful work that people are doing in their communities to make a difference in the world. And in terms yeah. of my own personal website, um, it's tr- just my name, trishtonai.com. And there's uh, an e-boutique there and a little bit of the story behind the story as to how I've made <laughs> the paradigm shift from uh, trading a pen for a paintbrush. So um, it's pretty easy to find me. I, I Googled my own name the other day and I thought, yeah. geez, Louise, there's an awful lot of information there. Holy <laughs> cow. Um, so there's lots of ways and, and all the social um, media platforms that I have some sort of presence, uh, whether with my name or share your stories done online. That's wonderful. And I'll put all those links below in the show notes as well. So it's Thank easy you. for people to click and find you. Thank, Thank you. you so much again, Trish, for your time. I really appreciate your honest take on this such an important topic and it was a pleasure as always speaking with you thank you so much juliana Mm -hmm. it's a pleasure to meet your uh, viewing audience and thank you so much for taking the time to create something where people can share their stories thank you so much for listening to confidence from within if you enjoyed this episode take a screenshot and tag me on instagram at naturally.joyous and i will be sure to tag you back i would also love for you to leave us a review on itunes so you can help us support our show stay healthy and happy and until next time